Hello everyone, um, my name is David Walker, I'm Deputy Head Pastoral here at Wellington and uh, Tom, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, hello, I'm Tom Wayman, I'm the Assistant Head at Wellington with an uh, overview of pupil discipline and support of HMs, particularly in matters relating to behaviour. And we're looking today at uh, patterns and trends in behaviour um, and particularly post-pandemic how these have panned out. Um, one of Dave's responsibilities as Deputy Head Pastoral is to look at the impacts of behaviour. Um, and I wonder if he could give an overview of maybe a post-pandemic uh, view of the trends of, of behavioural uh, behavioral mannerisms, if you like. Yeah, thanks, Tom. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because you can never, there's never sort of set patterns or, or, or you can never predict, I think, is, um, what a, um, a, a 13 or a 14 or a 15 year old pupil is going to do from, from one minute to the next. But I think we have certainly seen a sort of change in the landscape, um, coming out of the, um, COVID pandemic. And I suspect coming out of specifically those lockdown periods where some of our younger students missed out on some really key crucial um times in their in in their adolescence and their growing up um where they would have been towards the top of their their prep school and would have been forging those relationships that gave them confidence as they as they came into a school such as ours um as uh, as 13 year olds and um and, and were then setting about forging a new set of relationships particularly perhaps it's true to say in the in the boarding environment although i'd also include our our day pupils in this um due to the sort of nature of of our um pastoral setup and i i think i think the trend i've seen is that maybe some of that confidence that um would allow them to more naturally settle into those 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 friendships um is perhaps not there uh, as as much as it used to be and i think we've seen a a pattern across the board in our third and fourth form particularly um where they they've struggled to relax into those friendships we've seen um tensions um pop up uh, as a, as a result and we've seen um We've, we've seen some, some students, um, yeah, struggle with this area, which we probably didn't see, um, uh, to the same extent, um, pre-pandemic. I think it's, it's, it's presented an opportunity as well for schools like ours, where the transition is substantial between year eight and a relatively, um, supervised and, uh, dependent environment. Uh, to year nine, which is a much more fluid environment. There is greater autonomy and the responsibility is much greater. Um, but with great responsibility um, comes great choice. And the the relational behaviours, which a generation who have missed some building blocks uh, socially, into which social media has, of course, um, acted as a, as a as a surrogate form of social development has created some so a, a series of interesting scenarios and one area which wellington is looking at doing is increasingly reaching into 
uh, prep schools in a very collaborative manner to think about what is the best transitional arrangement so that Wellington and other senior schools like ours are not really uh, anticipated as lands of bounty, wonder and surprise, um, but more as a realistic uh, transitional developmental place, behaviourally mm. particularly. Yeah. And I mean, we've it might be worth touching, uh, touching on some of the transition stuff that we're doing here at the end of this. But I think one of the one of the things that we've been working on um, here with our current pupils, um, both with HMs and, and small groups, but also by going into some of our um, year group assemblies, has been the concept of relational aggression, which I think has been a really interesting, a really useful um, language, if you like, for, for, for us to be able to um, to discuss this with yeah. with our students. And, and Tom, this has very much been um, something you've taken a, a lead on. But do you, are you able to just sort of talk through what that concept means of, of yeah. relational aggression? It's interesting because it's a term relational aggression, which if you pop it into a search engine, you'll find plenty of lots of it. And you'll find lots of it about the workplace. So it's not just a school-based phenomenon. Um, it can take place in any environment where there is, if you like, a an anxiety about status, identity, and place within within any social matrix. I think it's a useful phrase, um, broad though it is, and vague at the outlines, because it helps conceptualise and articulate a broad spectrum of behaviours which are, broadly speaking, a, on a sub-bullying level and which, nevertheless, all students need to be alert to and staff. And in so doing, actually, they become self-regulating much more regularly. Relational aggression, sometimes it overlaps with the term microaggression, are a spectrum of behaviours where in any given group, there is uh, a, a, a tendency to exhibit excluding behaviours, often passively, subtly, in what we call the gaps. So it isn't explicit and visible. It is not smacking someone over the head with a tennis racket. It's much more, um, if you like, hard to spot. And it's, mm. it's almost... Um, although I'm loath to say it is natural, it is something which is occurs when groups particularly are trying to find their own status. But it comes fundamentally from a fear and it comes from a fear of being left out. Yeah, um, that's really interesting. That, that, that term of you know, hesitating to use the, the term natural. But I, I think it is interesting to think of this through the lens of, of you know, human behaviour and what we've seen for years and years and years. And um, I mean, I had a really interesting experience last term when a, a student uh, and I'll, I'll be vague to, to maintain their anonymity, but they wrote to me saying, I'm really worried that actually I've been exhibiting this behaviour. This is why I've been, you know, the reasons why I've been exhibiting it. And, and you know, can you help me um, try and do something about it? And I thought that was really interesting to make the students aware of and holding that mirror up to to some of these things yeah. um, and just how easy it is 
for 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 everyone. And again, interestingly, you mentioned it's it's in the workplace because I, I suspect it is all all around um, human behaviour, where um, whether it's due to an insecurity or or a fear, um, people end up defaulting to something which actually is is a negative behaviour rather than a positive behaviour. And I think the fear factor. Use a, yeah, a nice analogy about a train, don't you, yeah. Tom, in terms of fear? Yeah, it, 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 it's imagine a crowded train station and everyone's anxious about being left on the platform and it's the sharp elbowed behaviour that comes out of the fear that there aren't enough seats. And, of course, the fallacy is that in any given school, you will have at least one person with whom you can form good friendships and relationships. And that's fundamentally all people mm. need as a nucleus to go forward. Of course, social media perpetuates the idea that quantity of friendships is a surrogate for quality of friendships. Um, and so people, young people in particular, but not exclusively, can find themselves in a competitive, uh, aggressive um, set of circumstances. And the work we have done, I know, in year groups and in some houses, Dave, where we start to itemise what does this look like, brings about almost a wry recognition from the pupils, um, it, you know, whether it's excluding in person or online, the over-enthusiastic inclusion of some while leaving others out. It's non-verbal often, eye-rolling, sighing, staring, avoiding communication, ignoring or blanking, whispering in front of others, spreading of rumours and gossips. And then two features which are, while I'm, while I'm loath to gender particular behaviours, but we have noticed have been more prevalent amongst some boy groups, is excessive banter, roasting and put-downs. And while the boys sometimes think this is just all fine, actually it is a suffocating manoeuvre because it's an, it inhibits individual growth. And that any boy who actually wants to um, excel or develop can be cut down. And the boys recognise this very quickly and what, what the limits are and the dangers of belittling others' achievements or their needs or their hopes. So it's it's been really enlightening to, and, and quite affirming to see the recognition that pupils give when we itemise these. And then to the fact that they then become articulate about their their ingredients and the fact that actually they've all they all have a common need. Mm, and that's interesting. And, and, uh, and one of the lines you've been using in the assembly is saying you probably all recognise this, but not only do you recognise it, but you've, you've probably all done it in some extent here, here or there to, to democratise, uh, I, I suppose, the, the issue. And it's also from our perspective, you know, you, you're, um, it, it would be um, almost impossible, I suspect, to to do a, anything explicit from a disciplinary perspective about an eye roll or a, um, you know, uh, everything is deniable in, in this world, isn't it? It's a, you know, um, someone, someone left for, for dinner or something like that for a meal without, um, necessarily knocking on someone's door. And it's entirely deniable that they were even aware that they were in the room and those sorts of behaviors. Um, which the the best way the the, the most of the the literature and the and the thinking on on this issue is that the best way of dealing with it is to give a language to bring it to the surface to make yeah. people aware of it um, 
so that people can, as much as anything, self-police. Um, and that's exactly it, because what we now see is there is an increasing peer support and self-consciousness about this raft of implicit behaviours, which all stem from a common need. Um, and we talk about discipline. Well, in many ways, the disciplinary response to this is actually a pastoral response. Mm. And that, that's the critical thing. And again, it's equipping people for life because we know that these kinds of behaviours occur in any environment where there is a, a competition for status and identity. Mm. And that if they are able to recognise, call out support in at school, then they are going to be better equipped going forward as well. And uh, you, you've got a nice um, uh, sort of abbreviation of, well, of NICE, N-I-C-E, uh, about what, what that means, Dave. Yeah. So the uh, sort of the advice that we um, we began actually uh, as a, a piece of staff education, um, but um, we've started rolling this out to, to pupils is this idea of NICE, notice it, um, comment and then educate uh, is what it what it stands for. And actually, the first bit is the most important, I, I think, in there, noticing it and raising this above the unsaid um, and the totally sort of Im implicit. Um, as soon as actually people start noticing it, um, uh, then actually I think that's that's the important thing. So it doesn't become a totally sort of uh, un, um, uh, unseen uh, issue. And then and then the, the the commenting and actually giving a language to young people to say actually that. That, that sounds like relational aggression or, or whatever the comment might be. Um, or even simply saying, actually, do you know what? That wasn't okay that we, we left that person out here or, um, you know, trying to get them to think in, in that way, I think is the, 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 the most important thing. And perhaps the educators want more for staff than the, the, the pupils. I wouldn't necessarily be thinking that our pupils would be, um, thinking about a, a, a wide ranging sort of education that they would be doing that. But the, the, the noticing it and the, and the commenting on it, um, raising it above the unsaid is, is, is the key, um, to, to this. And, um, as I say, I've seen evidence that that's beginning to happen. So hopefully, hopefully the work that we've, we've been doing is having an effect. But I, I, I also think, you know, parents can have a, a really important voice here. And, uh, and again, maybe that sort of, that that acronym in itself is is important there you know if you yeah hearing this and, and commenting i don't know if you've got any thoughts on, on well, how I, parents I, can I, help I, any parent or any pastoral member of staff never likes to know that a child is unhappy um often the instinct will be we need revenge and that's a very unproductive starting point um by revenge i often mean taking a disciplinary tool X is being unkind to Y, let's punish X. Um, that achieves very little other than satisfying the primordial desire to avenge. Um, what contextualising and framing this category of behaviours, which are, as I say, a sub-bullying um, and it, 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 
invites us to take a pastoral approach. And it's been instructive to know the first instinct of anyone who is feeling that they are being excluded. There is implicit behaviours which they can't quite identify. They're not feeling comfortable. They don't want punishment. They want things to change. Change comes about through openness. It comes about through dialogue. It often comes about through a little bit of courage in having an unthreatening conversation with all parties about how things are, at which point there is a new and cleaner understanding about behaviour and its impacts. Um, we're not getting you know, jail keys out and people wearing wigs and deciding what the judicial sentences are, because that becomes irrelevant. Mm. Fundamentally, we're dealing with causes of behaviour which have a pastoral cause and a pastoral outcome. And you move on much more successfully as a group if you can go down that route. And so it's been really fruitful to see that happening where in those occasions it, it, it has just begun to take hold a little bit. I should say, however, <laughs> this is not, uh, uh, you know, Wellington is a, is a, is a lovely place and with lovely children and uh, there, there is a terrific kindness throughout the school. But it is a kindness that's like any garden needs sort of horticultural pastoral attendance um, so that we can keep it um, where it is. So it's good to see that this this new vocabulary is helping with that that approach. Yeah. And that's, a, that's interesting, isn't it? And that, you know, if if it, you use the term sort of sub bullying there and and, um, you know, for, for years we've been doing a, a, a bullying survey and the results of that um compared to national statistics have, have always given us great um a, a, a wonderful sense that actually bullying is is low at wellington um of course any bullying is 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 unacceptable and um um not not a part of our community here but um the 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 stats do do suggest that that, that is low but i think in in order to keep it low um or hopefully eliminate it entirely it's really important, isn't it, to, to work on that low level culture, which, if you allow that to rise up, allows the, the normalisation of behaviours that then can lead into more serious um, issues. Um, but, yeah, I hope uh, I'm glad you said that, Tom, because I, <laughs> I think it's always important, even when we're dealing with, you know, serious things which are um you, you know that we keep it in the wider picture of um yeah looking at lots of relationships still being really really strong and positive so that's good okay anything else we need to talk about tom before we finish i think that's probably enough that's for the probably moment. enough well um i hope that's been useful and um yeah uh look forward to uh to continuing to work with you on this one tom thank you for listening thank you bye-bye